You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. Our scripture reading this morning is taken from two psalms in the book of Psalms. We turn first of all to Psalm 67. And thereafter we turn to Psalm 121. The superscription above Psalm 67 reads, For the director of music with stringed instruments, a psalm, a song. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make His face shine upon us, that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you rule the peoples justly and guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. Then the land will yield its harvest. And God, our God, will bless us. God will bless us. And all the ends of the earth will fear him. Then we turn to Psalm 121, the Song of Ascents. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. Our text this morning in our continuing series on the book of Numbers comes from Numbers chapter 6, the verses 22 to 27. And there the scripture reads, The Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron and his sons, This is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites. And I will bless them. Beloved congregation of our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ, tomorrow marks another Thanksgiving Day in Canada. And in a way it's kind of early. Some of the crops are still being gathered in. From a certain point of view, one might say that the American date of having Thanksgiving in November is perhaps more fitting. But nevertheless, at the same time, it's true to say that this is not an occasion to disagree or debate, for now is the time to give thanks. Thanks for what? Well, thanks for another harvest, thanks for food and drink, thanks for another season of growth and plenty, thanks for what the soil has produced. But of course, it's wider than that. For into the hamper of thanksgiving is also fitting to throw things like health and strength, shelter and clothing, work and freedom. 
And going even further, what about thanks for your husband, your wife, your parents, your children, your family, your friends? And a little further yet, what about thanks for the triune God and his wondrous works of creation and salvation? Repentance and forgiveness, grace and mercy, love and and kindness. Truly, beloved, there is a lot to throw into the hamper of thanksgiving. And we should do that. Yes, we should do that no matter what. Oh, I realize that not all of you perhaps are in a celebratory mood this morning. If like the Mose and the Vander Gag families, you have lost a father and a grandfather. If like the sisters Hansma and Smedding, you are dealing with pain every day. If like some of the residents of Manoa Manor, you are struggling every day with declining health. Or if there is something else that's dragging down your life, and who feels like being thankful. And yet, beloved, the scripture does say, command even give thanks in all circumstances. Yes, in all circumstances, and that means good and bad, easy and difficult times, happy, as well as sad days. Give thanks always. Now, just how is that possible for all of us? For some of us, fine. All of us. Not likely. And yet I would ask you, beloved, to withhold your final judgment for a moment and to look a little deeper and consider a little further. And as a matter of fact, let me toss out a few questions. The first one is this. What is it that makes Thanksgiving possible? And the second is, what is it that makes it possible no matter what happens to us in this life? Let me ask you, perhaps again, in the form of the following theme, what makes for a true thanksgiving? And as we shall see shortly, it has to do with knowing the fount of every blessing, understanding the nature of every blessing, and being the recipient of every blessing. Well, beloved, the other day I was reflecting on the whole nature of Thanksgiving. Part of it had to do with the upcoming holiday. Part of it had to do, of course, with sermon preparations for today. And in the process of doing so, I also looked once again at the book of Numbers that we have been dealing with again, and I came across the words of Numbers chapter 6. And now you know, of course, that these are well-known words. You hear them every Sunday in one or other of the worship services as words of benediction. Many of you can quote them and recite them by heart. And yet, how well, how well do you really, really know them? How much thought have you actually ever given to these words of benediction? Come now, I'm going to say, fess up, as some people would remark. As it perhaps been in one ear, out the other ear, words are often spoken are like that. They don't register for very long or very deep. But nevertheless, beloved, these words should. And they should do so especially in connection with thanksgiving. 
For what is it that makes Thanksgiving possible in the first place? Think about that for a moment. What makes Thanksgiving possible? Is it not the fact that we have a blessing God? Is it not because we have a loving and generous Lord? And if he were not so, where would our thanksgiving be today or tomorrow? Surely it would be nowhere, non-existent, empty, vain, a ritual, a fiction. Truly, beloved, thanksgiving hinges on blessing. It hinges ultimately on the blessing God. And you know, that's also what we see in our text here together. One day the Lord says to Moses, Tell Aaron and his sons, This is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, The Lord bless you. And indeed, three times in succession, the Lord is mentioned. Three times in a row, he is the subject, he is the prime mover. Three times he is depicted as the fount of every blessing. Quite simply then, blessing comes from him. The Lord is in the blessing business. He has a monopoly on it. But do we always realize this? It would appear not, for why else then would Moses tell Aaron to tell the Israelites time after time that this has to do with the Lord? Our problem as people is that we so often try to find the the fount and the source of blessing in all the wrong places. For example, while in Egypt the Israelites tried to find it in the gods of Egypt, we're told. And once out of Egypt, it doesn't take long, and they try to find it in the golden calf that they force Aaron to make. And later on, they try to find it in the worship of Baals and Astartes. And later still, they try to find it in the strict keeping of the ceremonial law. In short, the Israelites are always looking elsewhere. And let's face it, we're not so much different For where and what do we look to as the source and the fount of our blessings? At times we we think that more dollars will fix everything. At other times we assume that a nice home with a few luxury cars in the garage with closets brimming over with clothes and a swimming pool in the backyard will do it. Or you feel perhaps that a husband will do it or a better husband, or a nicer-looking wife. Maybe this job will turn everything around, or more frequent holidays will solve it all. You see, we all have our dreams, our hopes, our expectations, and our idols. For some, it's money. For others, it's relationships. And then, too, there are those who seek it in the abundance of their possessions, or in their careers, or in seeking to please others. It's so easy to fall into the trap of thinking that this or that will change my life. 
and will make everything come up like smelling like roses. This is the key to blessing. And that's the origin of thanksgiving. But yet, beloved, over against all of that, our text points us elsewhere. It points us to the Lord. It does so over and over again. It does so three times. And, and notice what comes after the actual words of blessing. It is this, so they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. Actually, the I is very emphatic in Hebrew. God is saying that He, and He alone has the power to bless your life. And the power to make it erupt into real thanksgiving. I will bless them. And do you hear that, beloved? Forget about the idols and the golden calves. Don't bother to look at money or wealth or friends or relationships or reputation or social standing. None of that will truly bless you. You need the Lord to make it happen. In the Old Testament, the emphasis is on God the Father. He is the Lord. But notice in the New Testament, this changes and the message becomes fuller. You also need the Son, for He too is Lord. Jesus is Lord. It says in Romans 10. And as well, you need the Spirit, for He is also Lord. The Lord is the Spirit, says Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And taken together, this means that today we are to look to the triune God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit as the fount of every blessing. We need to thank the triune God every day. It all comes from Him and Him alone. But then, beloved, we might also ask, what is it that comes from the Lord? What really is blessing? What best describes a blessed person? And what turns a blessed person into a thankful person? Well, look at our text again. What does it say? Actually, it mentions three or four things. First, you can say, a blessed person is a cared-for person. And Aaron and his sons are to say to the Israelites first, the Lord bless you and keep you. What does it mean that the Lord keep you? It means, of course, that He promises to keep you in this life. It means that He will give you the food you need, the house you need, the shelter you need, the clothes you need. Yes, and another Thanksgiving Day is surely the proof that He has kept His word. Once again this year, there's been a harvest. The soil has again produced plenty. The rain has come, the sun has shone, the, the heat has done its work. We have what we need. Indeed, we have more than we need. God has kept us. 
But yet a cared for person is not only a materially kept person, he or she is also, you can say, very much a protected person. A moment ago we also read together from Psalm 121. And what is it? But the best biblical statement imaginable about protection. And in it, God promises to protect us always, to to keep us from danger, from natural enemies, indeed from all of life's dangers. Nothing will happen to us unless the Lord permits it to happen. Every day, the maker of heaven and earth keeps watch, stays awake, boycotts sleep. He sticks to us better than glue. The psalmist says he's like the shade in your right hand. And the result, our comings and our goings are all under his watchful eye. So talk about care and safekeeping. No other people is as cared for, as protected, as blessed as God's people. And that includes all of us. If you live by faith, you will not fear what tomorrow may or may not bring. Instead, you'll put your hand in the great hand of the Father. And you go forward with confidence. But then, beloved, if a blessed person is a cared for, protected person, he or she is also You could say a favored person. That comes out in the next part of the benediction when the priest says, The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. Have you ever seen shining faces? If not, then you should look at young lovers as they walk in the park. Or you should look at old lovers as they try to keep the spark alive. Or you should look at children when they are eagerly expecting something special. Or you should look at mothers gazing at newborn children. Shining faces are a delight to see. Yes, and here in our text, the the subject is not our shining faces, but rather it's God's shining face. Here the psalmist is saying God is beaming. God is delighting. God is enjoying. And what's he enjoying? He's enjoying his children. He's delighting. In his people. And isn't that what we yearn for? Every child searches for the approval of his parents. Every son wants to experience his dad's favor. Every daughter needs to know that she matters in the eyes of her mother. I've seen grown men cry because they've never experienced any of this. The face of their father never shined upon them. It only frowned upon them. It was only angry all the time. 
of sad. But then, beloved, what a relief to know that this is not God's way. His face is not dark with anger, but rather it is bright with favor. He wants you to know his blessing. He wants you to revel in his grace. He wants you to feel his pleasure. And isn't that a gift? Isn't that another reason for thanksgiving? And so you see, a blessed person is a cared for person, a favored person, but also something else. He or she is a noticed person. Look at the first part of verse 26. The Lord turn his face toward you. Again, you have there a reference to God's face, but notice that it says not that God's face in this case shines, but that God's face turns. So what does that mean? It means that the Lord is looking at you. Some old translations say the Lord lifts up his countenance. The Niv has turned his face toward you, which, which really means that he's paying attention to you. He, he notices you. He knows who you are. And that too is important. It was important to the Israelites as they were about to go further and further into the wilderness. And it's important for us as we go through this life day by day. For the fact of the matter is, beloved, that fundamentally none of us want to be ignored, overlooked, bypassed, or forgotten people. We all want to be noticed. We all want to count. We all need to matter. And again, the Lord knows this. That's how he's made us. He made us to be noticed. He made us in his image. He made us as his sons and daughters. We are his covenant children. And we count. So brothers and sisters, never think that you're invisible to God. Never assume that God doesn't know you or care about you. He does. Because he turns his face towards you. And looks at you. You matter to him. And that too is a blessing, a rich blessing. At the same time, it's another reason for thanksgiving. Truly, I matter to God. Imagine that, little old me. I matter. I'm worth something. Because God looks at me. Yes, and that brings us to the fourth mark, beloved, of a blessed person, and that is that he or she is also a peace-filled person. Verse 26 declares, The Lord turned his face towards you 
and give you peace. What's peace? What's shalom? It's not what we often make of it. Frequently we define peace in a rather negative way. We say peace is the absence of war or the absence of conflict. And in a way that's true, but there's so much more to it. It's more than simply the absence of something or the non-existence of something. It's much more positive and embraces the ideas of of well-being, of health, of prosperity and salvation. And as a matter of fact, you can say that that one word peace captures and expresses the sum total of all God's good gifts to us as people. Peace points to the fullness of life and fellowship with God. Yes, and that too is what here God promises to His covenant people. He says that He will give them peace. He promises it in the first place to the Israelites in the wilderness. And you know that their history is not exactly free from conflict and strife. But he also promises it to his people throughout all the ages. Why, especially today, he especially promises it to us through his Son. Look at Christ. He gives peace. He makes peace. He is peace. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, the Scripture says. Those who live close to God will know peace. Yes, and maybe that's the biggest and the greatest blessing of all. And at the same time, it may be our deepest reason for thanksgiving. Oh, to know that God will deal with all of our issues and our problems, our conflicts, our ills and troubles that He will give rest to our souls and peace to our hearts. Doesn't that represent a reason for endless praise? So you see, beloved, what lies at the heart of the erotic blessing are the promises of God's care, God's favor, God's attention, God's peace. And if all of those do not make for a great thanksgiving, then I don't know what will. But then, beloved, perhaps you're tempted to say at this point, just wait a minute. This sounds great, but what are we that God promises us here so much? And I think that's a good question that we need to face. How is it that we receive so much when actually we deserve so little? Do you know the answer to that? The answer is in the opposite of bless. What's the opposite of to bless? It's To curse. But you ask, what does blessing have to do with cursing or cursing have to do with blessing? Well, beloved, think for a moment of what we read 
But what the Apostle Paul writes in Galatians chapter 3, there he says that someone became a curse for us. And indeed he says that Christ Jesus was cursed. He was cursed on the tree of the cross because there he was carrying every one of our sins and misdeeds and transgressions. And what's the result of all of that? Well, Paul says that he redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus. In other words, beloved, Christ was cursed so that He could redeem us. Christ was cursed so that we might be blessed. Our being blessed today is due to His being cursed yesterday. Yes, so we need to realize this. How we need to realize this through faith in this Christ. We are blessed. Through faith in Him we become the recipients of blessing and the dispensers of thanksgiving. We are a blessed people. Indeed, blessing is God's middle name. To Moses, God says about the priests, so they will put my name on the Israelites. What's this name that the priests are to put on the Israelites? It's the name Lord. It's the name the Lord of blessings. These people belong to the Lord of blessing. And therefore, beloved, let not worry and let not fretting consume you. Let not the future trouble you. Look to the Lord of blessing and give thanks. Give thanks for all that He is in your life today. Give thanks for all that He has given to you in the year gone by. Give thanks for all that He promises to still give you in the age to come. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. May the Lord of blessing give you all a great thanksgiving. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.